0: Well, hi, welcome to this fresh teaching from Foundation Church Belfast. My name is David, I'm the pastor of Foundation Church and today we are coming to the second part in our series through the New Testament book called Titus. I say book is actually a letter, it's a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to his co-worker, a member of his team, missionary team called Titus. Titus was on the island of Crete and Paul wrote with further instructions about how to lead and how to run uh, operations in Crete, the, the, the Mediterranean island. Before we get there, I'm going to read to you the verses that this message is based upon. That's how we do it at Foundation Church. We, we open up a passage of scripture, um, we read it carefully, and then we, we, we allow it to speak to us through um, the teaching, through the sermon. Uh, and, and through that, God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. So we're going to read Titus 1, starting at verse 5, right through to verse 9. Here's God's word. This is why I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an an overseer is God's steward. He must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Last week we saw uh, at the introduction of this letter, uh, this this main theme or two main themes, that, 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 that like a theme tune that get picked up throughout the letter form the the structure of the letter, if you like. Uh, First of all, we saw uh, Paul's teaching to Titus. Number one, he says, get the truth straight. And number two, he said, let the truth shape you. And we see that playing out in various contexts in this letter. And so we see that today as well. Uh, No surprise. Um, In this subject of elders, 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 says Paul, number one, we'll see this today, elders are to get the truth straight elders are to let the truth shape them and then thirdly after we've seen those two points fleshed out we're gonna we're gonna try and share about how this works for us at Foundation Church Belfast practically how do we how do we take this teaching and and, and let it play out first of all then in this video elders are to get the truth straight Uh, don't forget as we saw last week the situation in Crete uh, where Titus was based this Mediterranean island um, was with these Brand new believers um, had been formed uh, into little gatherings, little communities that heard the good news of Jesus. Um, we're not sure who exactly brought it there, probably Titus himself. We're not entirely sure. Um, but according to Paul, in these verses here, the, the groups, the gatherings, the communities that have been formed around the good news of Jesus and what he's done, who he is, um, they are not complete. They're not true churches yet. Why is that? We'll look in verse 5. He says to, to Titus, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you m- might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. It's, it's, your, your communities are not complete. They're not real churches, effectively, without elders. And we'll think about who they are and what, what that looks like in a minute. But it's important at the outset to understand that this isn't just a random thought in Paul's mind. It's not just one of the items on the agenda that he wanted to get across. For, for Paul to place this first in the letter to Titus uh, shows that he considers uh, the quality, um, the, the, the character of elders, the, the, the role of elders as primarily important in the formation of a local church is primarily important. If if, if if believers in Jesus and, and, and therefore the church uh, is to number one, get the truth straight, and number two, allow the truth to shape them, then according to Paul, uh, there need to be elders who get the truth straight and allow the truth to shape them. And as we'll go on to see, if if elders and if the church is to, to refute false versions of truth, false teaching, if they are to fight off effectively uh, Attacks from outside spiritual attacks, especially if, if 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 churches are to be strong and thriving Then they need elders who get the truth straight um, By the way before we, we carry on when, when I when when Paul uses this word elder and when I talk about elders elders are, are the spiritual leaders of the church um, the, the form here, the word here, elder, simply in the original Greek means, means older man, um, presbyteros, uh, mature individual. Um, but also interchangeably, the New Testament uses the phrase pastor, um, which is the, the Latin form of uh, the English word of shepherd. So an elder is a shepherd, he's a pastor. And as you may have noticed, halfway through uh, verse 7, uh, also an elder is referred to as an overseer, episkopos, yeah. um, an overseer, someone who has a sort of top-down view, if you like, you know, of, of the situation, what's going on. So, so what we're saying here, when I'm using the word elder, it's the most common phrase used to describe the same office, the same role. Uh, and these, these words are used interchangeably to mean the same thing. An elder is a pastor. Uh, a pastor is an overseer and an elder is an overseer, okay? They refer to different elements of the same role, um, but they're all one and the same office. And so Paul here is writing to Titus, his, his delegate, his team member, a you know, key part of the, the apostolic or the missional team sent out and he's saying to Titus, I want you to identify and set elders in every church and then, and then things will be much better. So an elder is to get the truth straight. Where do we get that from in this text? Well, in verse 9, it says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. He must hold it firm. Uh, we saw this last week, just starting to, to get the ball rolling last week. We saw it. Um, what is this, this trustworthy word that, that, that Paul is referring to here? Well, as we saw last week, it's this, this message, um, this plan, this, this, this good news um, that had come to Crete. Um, but as Paul showed us last week, it is not a message that came out of his head or just seemed like a good idea at the time. This is a message that, that um, came from God himself, came from God's mind. In fact, as Paul teaches in, in the first few verses of this letter, in his introduction, um, this, this message, this, this, this truth, um, this plan of God was, was, was conceived in his mind, God's mind, before the ages began. Before the ages began. And, and, and it's good news, it's truth, um, it, is, it is the message about Jesus Christ. Um, and it was revealed to, to Paul and the other apostles. It was revealed to them. Uh, uh, entrusted is the word he used. Entrusted to Paul. Uh, precious cargo. Go and take this, this message that has sort of been hidden, um, sort of revealed in types and shadows, and now made clear through Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done. Take this uh, this this precious cargo, Paul, said God, and, and tell the world. And so this is part of how Paul does that. He plants churches, he, he shares the gospel, and he sends out um, missionary uh, team members such as Titus to go and extend that message. And so this is what happens. And as we, we've been thinking, probably Titus took it to Crete. And here Paul is saying... Uh, in order for the next generation and for the churches and, and, and churches and churches, um, churches that plant churches, it is, in, it is in essential uh, to entrust this message to the church, to the next generation. And this, of course, is the message about, um, as we've seen, eternal life, the hope of eternal life. It's the gospel, the gospel message. And Paul is then saying, obviously, in this letter, elders are men who are clear about this message. They are clear. There's truth from God. They're, they're to be confident in the truth. Uh, they're to be committed to the truth. They're to be compelled by the truth. The truth is to own them. True truth is to invade them, invest them. And they are to be the kind of men who are uh, clear about this message. Elders are to get the truth straight. And here's the point. Here's the reason why he goes on to say in, in verse 9. Um, elders, he says, are to give instruction in sound doctrine, that's healthy doctrine, uh, teaching, and, and to rebuke those who contradict it. Positive and negative aspects, you know, two sides of the same coin. What are they to do with this trustworthy word? They're to give instruction and rebuke those who contradict it. So what is he saying? He's saying that elders are to, to know the truth about God. That's the giving instruction. Uh, they, they are to uh, they use the truth, if you like, to, to build up the church, uh, to strengthen it, to, to encourage the church. Uh, an elder is to be someone who, who is therefore open to, to God's word, who, who hears his voice. Uh, an elder is someone who, who spends time listening to God. Um, a, an elder is someone t- to whom God's word forms and, and directs them. And through that, then, the elder leads and cares for the church. That's what it means to give instruction. But also, in the second half, the other side of the coin, is to uh, rebuke those who contradict it. That is, the elders, or the elders, plural, we'll see that later on, um, are to tackle false versions of the truth. Um, they are to go on the offensive, if necessary, against spiritual attacks and and, and uh, you know phony versions of the gospel they are to push back against that strongly there's a defensive part of their role as well they're to protect the flock through sound teaching through holding out God's word clearly and we'll see that next week as um, there's further teaching on how the elders are to approach those who are trying to teach a false version of of the gospel. Don't forget we saw last week that Crete, the society of Crete especially, had a very uh, dubious connection to concepts of truth. That for them, uh, truth was something that that could be moulded and shaped depending on what worked for you. Um, It was something that you can use in order to achieve your own purposes, your own power plays, you know, um, climbing over one another in order to get what you want. And so in contrast to that, the truth um, is to be clear, it is to be compelling it is to be presented by the elders clearly and so the whole point with all of this is that the, the, when the elders get the truth straight the church is strengthened it is go- a good thing it is a wonderful thing but it also for those of us listening to this can be a, a daunting thing especially um, if you are in eldership uh, if you sense you're being called into eldership any form of leadership really can take its cue from this, but primarily and particularly, eldership. And it can be a daunting a daunting thing. But if you are either in eldership or you sense you're being called to it, then um, you must be someone who is committed to learning God's truth. Um, and not just learning it for the first time, but, but continuing to learn, to invest yourself in it, to, to, to develop in your understanding and, and, and knowledge of God's word, the truth of the gospel. And so for you, if this is you, if you're either in that position or you're sense of calling to that position, for you, scripture, the Bible, must be um, uh, central in, in your life. It must be a, a key um, tool, if you like, a key uh, part of, of your daily routine, um, of, of what you, you use to form uh, the basis of your, your understanding. Your connection to God, your communion with God, Scripture must be central. Of course, there are other ways as well. In fact, there are, there are other ways to support that and undergird that. And um, we've spoken a few times on 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 this video, on these videos, about the advanced theology course. Um it's one option if you want to go deeper uh, into your knowledge of the scripture and how it all fits together. Um, Advanced is the family of churches to which Foundation Church is a part. And, and um, together we have conceived this course called the Advanced Theology Course. It takes place over a two-year period, um, yeah, usually just one day a week where we gather together, open the Bible, have some teaching uh, and enjoy it together. And just, just to sort of help each other move further and deeper into God's Word. That's not the only option. There's loads of online modules, courses, classes, educational things that you can do. Love to chat to you if you want to go further, deeper um, into, into the things of God's word. But anyway, headline, as an elder or as an elder candidate or someone who feels called to eldership, you need to do whatever it takes in order to be someone who is confident, committed, compelled by the word of God. Is that you? What are you doing to further yourself? Don't forget that uh, getting the truth straight is not just like passing an exam. It's not that you tick a box and say, "Well, I've got the truth straight. I understand the gospel. That's it. I'm, I'm done learning." Um, it's an ongoing thing, right? Don't don't forget. It says in verse nine, "He, the elder, that is, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Hold firm." Um, it's an ongoing thing. It's 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 a it's a, an active uh, word, um, it's not like he must have held firm. He must hold firm. He must keep gripping on to the truth. Keep grasping, rather like a, a rock climber scaling a cliff. Um, latch yourself on. Hold on tight. Don't just stay there. Uh, the point with rock climbing is that you don't just um, hang on to the rock and just remain there. You have you have to you know um, ascend it, get to further heights, um, greater. Uh, victories, if you like, in your rock climbing. You know, you want to get to the top. You want to you discover more. Um, you want to conquer, if you like. Um, and so so similarly, uh, holding on to God's word is, is about uh, grasping onto that mountain of God's truth, right? Um, but ascending it as well and going, going higher up and higher up and, and, uh, and, and, and absorbing more and understanding more and being transformed more by God's word. It's an ongoing thing. It's a continual thing. It's something I'm trying to do every day in my life. And it's something that elders absolutely must be doing as well so that we can be good elders, right? Uh, So that we can be refined and so we can apply uh, the truths of God's word more and more uh, powerfully and delicately and and, um, effectively into the lives of those that we are called to lead. What about the rest of us Uh, in church who aren't elders or don't feel called to elders uh, to be an elder? um, how How does this play out for the rest of us? Um, Well, as we've been seeing here, an elder must give instruction in sound doctrine, it says in verse 9. So if we are thinking of our elders or even those who might become elders in the future, elder candidates, for example, um, this must be someone uh, who has been able to encourage the church from God's word in any context at this stage, one-to-one context, Encouraging with God's word in a small group context. Encouraging with God's word. Even preaching sermons, either few or many. Encouraging with God's word. That's what an elder candidate should be able to do. To get the truth straight. So think to yourself. And this is to everybody um, I'm addressing this. Think to yourself. Have you been strengthened by someone's, someone's teaching, someone's handling of the truth? Have you been encouraged by the word? Have you been blessed who has helped you to see the truth more clearly because as we've been seeing in this first video um, when elders get the truth straight the church is helped to get the truth straight and when that happens she becomes powerful she becomes influential she becomes healthy all for the glory of jesus elders get the truth straight Well, the second thing we see then in this discussion about eldership, number two, is that elders are to let the truth shape them. And when when you read through these verses, you'll realize there's actually a larger focus placed by Paul on a man's character, his his reputation, than on what he should do, which is give instruction and sound doctrine. That's important. Get the truth straight. Um, But this is the kind of person that he should be. And Paul is effectively saying to Titus, these guys should be easy to spot, because all of these uh, virtues that we're going to examine in a few moments, they're all things that you can look at. You can observe them from outside It's objective. Um, before we get there, though, I, w- I want to highlight this phrase that Paul uses uh, twice. In verse 6 and verse 7, he says an elder must be above reproach. He uses it twice. It's important. Um, he must be above reproach. That means he must be beyond legitimate criticism in these areas that we're going to examine. He must be blameless in these areas that we're going to examine. doesn't mean, by the way, that he's to be morally perfect in every way. Uh, he's to be without sin. Uh, oh, there's only one who is morally perfect in every way without sin. His name is Jesus. He is the centre of all this that we're talking about. But it does mean that when when it comes to thinking about an, an elder or an elder candidate, and we're looking at these these uh, this description here that Paul gives us, um, we're, we're to be... Asking ourselves, is this obvious in this man's life or not? Um, as I said, all, all these traits are observable. They're all objective. And they're, they're going to be noticed by those closest to the elder or elder, elder candidate. Let me, let me show you what I mean. In verse 6, it says, uh, in his home life is he above reproach. In his closest relationships of all is he above reproach. Um, Paul details a bit about this. He says he's to be the husband of one wife. That might sound like a bit of a confusing thing to say, or a bit of an obvious thing to say. But Paul is saying he's to be faithful to his wife. He's to be the faithful to the wife, uh, to the woman he's with. Uh, put it another way: there's to be no hint of any uh, current sexual immorality or unfaithfulness. He's not to have had multiple marriages behind him, um, or even have multiple wives at one time. Um, but even even if he's married and he's only married to the you know uh, the one time to the one person. Um, even within that, is his marriage um, faithful? Um, is, does he have an addiction to some sexual addiction or, or addiction to pornography or some sort of, you know, hidden um, struggles? He's to be the husband of one wife. He's to be committed. He's to be faithful. He's to be a solid husband. That might throw up a lot of questions for you as, as we read this. Um are elders only to be married men? What about single guys? Can they be elders? Uh, what about a widowed man? Can he be an elder? Are they, are they, are they ruled out? My understanding is no. The, this, these are not ruled out. This teaching is if an elder is married, then this is what his life should resemble within the home life. Uh, he should be faithful. But even if he is not married, if he's single or widowed or what have you, um, even, even so, he, he must have a holiness and a godliness when it comes to sexuality. So this does apply to, to all, all elders, whether they're married or not, although specifically it is to elders. right? Um, but it goes on to say his children are to be believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. Uh, that means that his kids are to be brought up hearing and understanding the faith, the truth about God. They're to be, to be sh- shown how to how to shape their lives around that truth. They're to be well brought up. Um, in contrast, they're not to be wild, ill-disciplined, rebellious, badly led. Um, Paul says um, in another letter in 2 Timothy, um, he says, look, if, if an elder can't, Run his own household well, if he can't lead that well, then how's he going to lead the church? By the way, this is referring um, to children who are still um, young, tender aged, still at home. Um, I don't think we can apply this teaching to older children who have you know left the home or who are now adults and are making their own decisions. Um, this is about children who are brought up uh, under the sound of the good news of Jesus. Uh, and um, taught to, to live that out together um, so we need to ask ourselves and if you're an elder or an elder candidate or just sensing a calling to eldership ask yourself do my wife if i'm married and my children from a h- husband uh, a father do my wife and children show evidence of my loving leadership do they show evidence of my influence Um, my godly gospel-based word-centered influence are they shaped by the truth as I am being shaped by the truth Uh, as I read these things am am I above reproach in these areas or is there some criticism that can be brought to me about these most important relationships then he turns Paul to say uh, um, you know, he's to be above reproach in the home with those closest relationships but then he moves on in verses 7 and 8 <clears throat> to, to more public um, reputation. He's to be above reproach in public as well as at home and he gives a list of, of, uh, of negatives he's not to be arrogant not to be quick tempered not to be dr- a drunkard uh, not to be violent not to be greedy for gain as we saw last week, all of these are um, stereotypical for people who are from Crete. Um, they were renowned for being all of these things. And Paul is saying to be an elder, it means you to live your life by a different set of values, ones that come from God's message, God's eternal word. Um, that's how you shape your life. That's what influences you. And therefore, you will look different to the prevailing culture in many respects. You'll be different. Instead, he says, an elder is to be hospitable, meaning he opens his home, he shares his resources, he invites in uh, neighbours and and strangers to his house. He's to be hospitable. He's to be a lover of good. Good things, good effects flow uh, and um, originate from how he uses his time and his money. He's a lover of good. Um, He's to be self-controlled, not out of hand. Uh, not wild and rebellious again, like 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 much of uh, the society in Crete has this reputation for. Um, he's to be upright. Uh, he's to be holy. He's to be disciplined. Again, these are all observable traits. They're all things that can be seen by those outside because elders are to let the truth shape them. Um, they're, they're to give evidence that the truth has has not only been. Um, heard and received but has shaped their lives and this is how we'll tell says Paul um, to use another phrase from the New Testament they are to give evidence of the fruit of the Spirit working in and through their lives fruit of their conversion to Jesus Christ remember when we, when we talk about these things we're not expecting complete perfection um, but We can't let ourselves off the hook either, particularly if you're an elder or an elder candidate or feeling called to it. Um, A very high bar has been set here by the apostle. Very high requirements. And that's not something that we can um, turn away from. Um, Because think about it for a minute. The the role the elders play in the health and vitality and leadership of the local church is so key that it's no wonder um, that a higher bar um, is to be expected from them. We shouldn't expect anything less And as a praying church, we shouldn't pray for anything less. We should pray this over our our leaders, uh, particularly our elders and pastors, um, that they may be men who who show these fruits, give evidence to these virtues clearly, um, so that our church may be strengthened and led well. So here's two ways that um, we can uh, use this teaching, how we can take it and and, and apply it um, in this particular section. Uh, firstly we can use these virtues in verses 6 and 7 and 8 um, as, as a, a checklist when we're thinking about ourselves if you are an elder I'm, thinking of my, I'm talking about myself I guess and, but also you if you're an elder and you're listening in or, or you're, you're, you're feeling called into eldership take this as a checklist and ask yourself honestly how am I doing when it comes to these, these values. And so it might be for you that you'll, you'll need to take yourself away for an hour or so over this weekend perhaps and read through this passage. Read it slowly. Repeatedly read it and ask yourself as you do that and as you meditate and reflect on each of these, these virtues and values is, is the Holy Spirit guiding me uh, bringing attention to something in my life that I need to act upon. Um, ask yourself, does my, does my spouse, does my wife see this? Does she see these things in my life? Maybe she would have some great insights um, about areas that you're blind to, uh, good and bad, uh, in your life. How am I doing? Ask yourself, how am I doing when it comes to these traits? So is there areas of of my life I need to seek the grace and forgiveness uh, from from God? I need to repent. I need to to ask the power of the Holy Spirit to, to come and change me and help me. Ask yourself, am I qualified to be an elder based on these verses? Am I disqualified from being an elder based on these verses? Am I just not sure? What is God saying to you as you read these and meditate prayerfully on these values? That's the first way that we can can use and receive this teaching. The second way we can use and receive this teaching in this particular section is that it helps the church broadly to see, is this man qualified and called to eldership based on this text? Do we as the church see evidence of these things in his life? Can we affirm him as an elder within our church based on this text? By the way, this is this isn't some kind of X-factor thing where we get to sit behind a desk and hit the red button uh, if we don't like the guy. Uh, we're not talking here about sitting in judgment and being sort of almost arrogant about something. Oh, you know, he's not this, he's not that. You know, um, that's not the attitude here that Paul is getting at. But we're asking ourselves, as the church, as the body, um, at Foundation Church particularly, I'm talking to you. Um, can we see these Christ-honouring traits in this man's life? And this, this is really important. This is really important for us as a church, as the church in general. Um, because too often we, we pay too much attention to an individual's gifting. Um, especially if someone is wonderfully gifted in, in one or many, you know, several areas in their in their life and ministry, we'll pay too much attention to that. Um, whether it's his charismatic personality or uh, his influence as a as a person and as a leader in the in the wider world, um, we we can sometimes be swayed by the successfulness. Um, in his career or or this individual's financially well off and it'd be great to have him as an elder on our elder team. And and let's face it, these are wonderful gifts and that God can and does bring to the church and not just through elders, of course, but through all all people, all members. Um, As wonderful as these things are, though, they are not the grounds for qualification for an elder based on the Bible. They're not as we're seeing here and elsewhere in, in, in the Bible, um, it is a man's character and his ability to get the truth straight. These are the two things. Elders get the truth straight. Elders are to be shaped by the truth. And so we're going to think finally about how the, this all works out for us at Foundation Church Belfast, how specifically does this work for us? Well, here's, here's three uh, headlines about how we apply this teaching together at Foundation Church. Number one headline, um, elders lead as a team. At Foundation Church, elders lead as a team. Uh, we see that here in verse five, uh, Paul says to Titus, appoint elders, plural, in every town as I directed you. It seems to be in Paul's mind that there's to be a, a team uh, of elders leading and loving the church as, as a group. Um, we see this also in Acts chapter 14, for example. Um, Paul, in the very early stages of his missionary journey, um, bringing the, the good news, the message of God in Jesus Christ to the ancient uh, Middle East. And um, he visits various cities, he, he preaches the good news. People hear the message, they, they give their lives to following Jesus, they, they, they gather together in communities. And then it says that several months later, he, he returns. And it says that he appoints elders (plural) for them in every church, and he commits them to the Lord. Again, a, a team, a group of elders in every church, and so that's how we we uh, set ourselves up at Foundation Church. The, the fancy word is a plurality of eldership, a place where uh, responsibility is shared, where 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 power sort of uh, effectively, or you know, um, responsibility is shared among the eldership. And this protects the church of course that means that there's not one individual who who um pulls the strings but this is shared among a group of godly men who are called and affirmed and, and chosen it's a place uh eldership teams to be a place of great creativity in leadership uh, great uh, you know mutual gifting meshes together um for the vibrancy for the sake of the church it's a place where plans are, are thrashed out where, where pastoral cases are are discussed and dealt with, and so that the people uh, are led well and cared for well. Um, And so this must breed great uh, confidence within the church that that such a group of of men are leading the church under the authority of Jesus. It's always been my hope um, that this will be the case for us at Foundation Church. At the moment, I am the sole elder pastor, planter, whatever you want to call it, Um, But from day one, uh, through our teaching, in our guiding documents, um, I've always sought to make it clear that that we are heading towards a team of elders. Um, As we're seeing here in the scripture, seems to be God's plan uh, for the leadership of the local church. When a team is strong, when it's vibrant, when it's Christ loving, when it's spirit filled, then so too is the church. And so elders lead as a team first headline second headline about how this works out for us practically at foundation church is that elders are to be men Uh, the the term that is sometimes used to describe this approach to ministry is called complementarianism complementarianism Uh, we hold that men and women are equal in in dignity and value before god and before one another but we recognize Um, that God has assigned specific roles within the local church and within the family to male and female. They're not in competition, yet they're complementing one another. That's where this term complementarianism comes from. And I I realise this is at odds with much of contemporary Western society's approach. But I want to highlight to you that that what we're reading here and what we're thinking about today is not about society as a whole and men and women in general, but this is about relationships within the church. And within the church, as we're seeing here, as we're guided by Scripture, different rules apply. Um, So we at Foundation Church Belfast affirm uh, the historic position of the church we believe we're led by scripture to come to this conclusion and we reserve the role of eldership for men does this mean that women are not permitted to lead in the church no does this mean that women are restricted from using their gifting within the church to serve the church no does this mean that women are not allowed to teach in any circumstances no we want all people to use their God-given gifts to serve one another in the local church. And, and when that happens, everyone is enriched. But as with, with life and faith, uh, we pay careful attention to what the Bible says on various issues that form our, our, our faith and practice as a church. So, headline one, Elders leaders a Team. Headline two, elders are men. And thirdly, the third headline, elders are affirmed by the congregation. Elders are affirmed by the congregation. That means that elders don't just simply pick other elders. Um, The danger with that can be, I'm not saying it always is, but it can be that you just end up picking your own pals, your own mates, people who think like you and look like you. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, um, eldership uh, can steer and shape they can recommend and identify other guys who are similarly called and equipped um, uh, to to serve as elders and to recommend them to the church. Uh, elders can can bring in outside voices as well, outside views to listen to carefully. Um, such as, you know, in partnership with, with ADVANCE. We're part of uh, a movement of churches called ADVANCE. And we want to lean on uh, trusted voices from outside to help us become as healthy as we can. That's all good. But we also believe there is a role for the church in general. Uh Foundation Church Belfast particularly those who are in covenant membership at Foundation Church Belfast and and, and what we will do and what we do do is affirm our eldership publicly Cong, the congregation the membership give the final seal when it comes to um, affirming and recognizing our leaders and what that basically means is that when we are affirming our elders and our leaders we say we see it too we see that this Uh, man is called to lead us in this capacity we say here is someone who's got the truth straight who has let the truth shape them and we affirm him as one of our elders we affirm that God has called and shaped and equipped him to serve in this capacity and we will give ourselves to his leadership we will submit ourselves to uh, him and, and the rest of them in the group of elders that's what we're saying when we affirm someone publicly elders lead as a team Elders lead as man. Elders are affirmed by the congregation. These are the three headline ways that this fleshes out in Foundation Church Belfast. See with all this and all the teaching that the scripture gives us on spiritual leadership and eldership in particular we see that elders are Christ's means for ensuring a healthy, strong powerful local church being built up Uh, A church that is protected by her shepherds, the the elders. Uh, A church that is being nurtured and cared for, led by uh, men who are called and and qualified to do the task that God has called them to. Um, Such a church will be discovering the deeper resources and riches of God's grace grace and his truth as a result of this. Um, A church that is led well by godly elders is a church that will become razor sharp in its focus on mission to to reach those who don't know jesus for his sake and for god's glory and that is what we dream of at foundation church and as we're reading here elders are one of the key ways that we achieve this mission